listening to the Give Me Five podcast, episode seven. Great, although I'm a little bit aroused. Give Me Five podcast. I'm Rob, and I'm here with Greg. What's up? And Jimmy. Hey, girlfriend. (laughs) Here on the Give Me Five podcast, the three of us discuss five things that caught our attention in media over the past week, or two in this case. This week, we'll discuss the latest Netflix-exclusive Death Note, the return of Halt and Catch Fire for its final season. We'll also discuss the spirit of Aloha Luau at Disney's Polynesian Resort, more music from Perturbator, and a very cool theatrical re-release of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I actually really like the way you pronounce Perturbator. Perturbator! Yeah. I like that. Anyway, guys, this is a review show, and there's probably going to be spoilers. We will try to uh, avoid any major twist that would make it less enjoyable to see the movie or the TV show or whatever you're watching. Um, so, like, for example, if you'd be really mad if you found out that like Batman was Bruce Wayne, or if you were really disappointed to learn that Jimmy's got a cooler full of hobo parts in his garage... Yeah, probably want to, like, stop the episode now. Come back a little bit later. Jimmy will still have the hobo parts in his garage, though. He can show them to you then. Yeah. Batman isn't Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is Batman. So, guys, if you want to get in touch with us, (laughs) um, just simply search for us on Facebook by searching the uh, Give Me Five podcast. That's F-I-V-E spelled out. Keep that in mind. You guys can also get at us on Twitter and Instagram under the same name at Give Me Five Pod. And if you want to email us, if you're you know you don't really want to put your stuff out there on a public forum, you can hit us up at Give Me Five Podcast at Gmail dot com. Remember, guys, that that five is spelled out F I V E. And if you could, please, it'd be a huge help for us to reach as as many people as possible. Leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app that you are using. Thank you in advance. Okay, guys. So um, at time of recording here, it's Thursday evening, and there is a hurricane bearing down in Florida, and we happen Mm -hmm. to live in Florida. We do. Yep. So a few things. There's going to be a few things with this episode. First of all, just to make sure the hurricane doesn't hit us while we're recording. Um, It's not expected for a few days, but we did tie Rob outside of the studio, outside of the Give Me Five podcast studios. We tied him to a bike rack out there. And if that doesn't scare it away, nothing will. <laughs> really, there's no chance the hurricane will get here, but we, uh, Rob just requested that we tied him up outside of the studio. That's his thing. And they very willingly obliged. It was weird. Yeah. But, you know, that's what we're doing. Um, the editing on this episode might not be quite as in-depth because I have patio furniture to drag in the house and other mm. hurricane-related things to do. So that's just your advance warning. And to everyone in the path of the hurricane or that has dealt with any of these hurricanes or other natural disasters. Stay um, safe. Yeah, stay safe. Good luck out there. And Rob would be more than willing to come pull you from the debris. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And also, on a uh, more trivial note, at the end of this podcast, when we do our pick five, we're going to base it on hurricane media, movies, television shows, Mm storm-related. Storm-based media. Yes. So we will will be picking the best— the top five best storm-related media, movies, music, whatever. 
this is a hurricane-filled episode, somewhat. Okay. So, uh, what's up, guys? Anything new? No. Um, I did have my fantasy football draft this past week. (laughs) Nope, nothing new. That's the end of the show. We're done. (laughs) Nope, that's it. All right, guys. See you Um, next week. I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with my fantasy football draft. Um, I've been told my team looks unbeatable, so we may or may not be talking about that in the future. If you guys heard me say fantasy football and immediately turned your brains off, stick with us the rest of this episode. I promise I won't talk about it again. Um, more films are being ha- added to the Indians' uh, schedule for October. Oh, and I'm really excited about that because I think we should all go see a couple of them. I, I, mm, there's a lot. There's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's Poltergeist. There's um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nice. So uh, I, I gotta believe that for Friday the Thirteenth, they're gonna do Friday the Thirteenth. Have they not announced it yet? I hope so. It's still TBA right now. For for those of you listening who who haven't looked that far ahead yet, Friday the thirteenth is actually in the month of October this year, which is awesome. Yes. So if you want to murder a bunch of camp counselors, uh, this would be about the month to do it. I'm yes. actually wait, wait till October. I'm actually trying to plan a camping night Friday the thirteenth. No joke. So if you want to murder Jimmy, next month will be the month to do it. I'll go, Jimmy. Don't look at my bag. I'm gonna have a, a hockey mask. I All mean, right, cool. I mean, don't look. What about you, Greg? Uh, Rob's Canadian. That's why he has the hockey mask. <laughs> uh, with me. Well, I um, accidentally found out where the Star Wars VR experience is going to be. Uh, the oh, one sweet. Rob talked about um, a couple episodes ago. I decided to uh, get the little guy out of the house the other day, so I, knowing that we were going to be trapped in the house this weekend. Uh, so I brought him over to downtown Disney or Disney Springs. Good idea. And wandered around. And you know, we went to the, the World of Disney store, which is all the plush animals, and got to see all the new Star Wars stuff. I may or may not have bought several stuffed porgs. Um, <laughs> they really are adorable, though. They're cute. They're they genetically engineered to be adorable. So I might have done that. And then we went over to the toy store, and it was half gone, um, the Once Upon a Toy store. So that was, if for those of you that have been to Disney Springs or downtown Disney, that is the toy store that had the big um, Tinker Toys out front. And oh. the uh, And the uh, Mr. Potato Head stuff inside. The Mr. Potato Head stuff is gone. And that first room is still there, but then it's blocked from it's, that point on. Yes. So the, Marvel, the Marvel room is gone, the Star Wars room is gone, and the Princess room is gone. And that is where the Star Wars VR thing is going to be. Huh. Um, okay. And they expect it to open up by the holidays. Wow. Yeah. Now, by, really the ho- cool. by the holidays, are you talking uh, Thanksgiving? Pa- or are you talking- uh, Passover. No, Passover. The, the high know. holidays. Oh. It's, it's, it, that was a, a, a Jewish joke. Yeah, I I don't. Nobody knows when Passover is. You're gonna have it's, to. It's no, yeah, this would be Christmas. This would that be the one, Christmas time. That one passed right over my head. <laughs> How about you, Rob? So, but but speaking of VR, I actually had the opportunity recently to try out the uh, Oculus Rift. I happened to be in Best Buy, and they they had a guy there that was uh, basically demoing it. Okay. And did you vomit I, in Best Buy? D- did I what? Did you vomit in Best Buy? Oh, oh, wow. Damn near. Oh, um, oh man. I, because, well, for those who don't know, I have I have a really a really bad uh, problem with, like, first-person shooters. I get, like I, – I don't know if it's motion sickness, but I get a headache. Something about the first-person view gives me a headache and makes me nauseous. And I've always been curious if VR would do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I found out 
that actually the VR experience is extremely smooth and I don't really have too much problem with VR. So I tried one of their more more uh, light simulations, and then he put me through their their demo for their shooter, which is um, Robot Recall or something like that. And everything was going fine, and I was having absolutely no problems. I was doing fine. But then I got to a point where I was teleporting around, shooting the robots, and I was looking behind me, but I was keeping my I was keeping my feet still, and I apparently looked too far behind me because if you if the sensors lose the helmet so if you turn basically all the way around and you face behind you Mm -hmm. the sensors lose the helmet and the video feed freaks the hell out oh no like like it literally like jerked froze kind of i mean it was instant vertigo i almost went to my knees and i almost ripped the helmet off my head it was so bad I was like, oh, I, I literally in the store went, oh, my God, as I as I nearly collapsed. And I kind of, you know, in, in the process of, of my knees buckling, I kind of spun back around. The sensors picked the helmet up and everything flashed back. But I had a headache for the rest of the day. I was like, holy cow. So when you do the Oculus Rift, don't spin all the way around from the sensors because it will knock you on your butt. So don't play the exorcist simulation. Got it. Pretty much. Yeah. And and even even the guy because they they actually had it displayed on a monitor in front of me. And <laughs> and so that the people who were watching me, you know, do this thing could could see what I was seeing. And even Making the people well, even the people around me went, "Whoa." <laughs> oh no. As as I nearly collapsed, I was like, "Holy crap. What?" <laughs> They all had to jump so, out of the way as he showered them with vomit. Uh, pretty much, yeah. So so be careful when using the Oculus Rift. Don't spin all the way around so that the sensors lose the helmet because you will go down on your butt. That's really good advice. So what what else we got? Anything new or are we going to lead right into our first topic? I think we should go into our first topic. All Let's right. Let's and I'm going to do one of my smooth segues since you're talking about computers and the newest technology. <laughs> I totally thought you were going to go, since we're talking about our first topic. (laughs) Since we're talking about computers and technology, um, you know, the newest technology that everyone's talking about is the next big thing. Of course, is VR, but I like to look backwards, and the show Halt and Catch Fire has done a fantastic job of looking backwards. Well, don't look backwards too fast. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You will get vertigo. Thank you. Well done. You you one-upped me. Go on. I'm so proud. (laughs) Halt and Catch Fire is heading into season four actually as of this recording um, they've had I believe three episodes but it's only been two weeks they did that double week first episode thing episode one and two if you guys don't know about Halt and Catch Fire I know Jimmy does because I actually talk about it in my class periodically uh, my motion graphics class because of the opening sequence but um, I'll get to that later Um, it's starring it's a show about computers and about technology and about the the being on the cutting edge of technology uh, stars Lee Pace, you might know from The Hobbit. Uh, he's in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, or yeah, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? As the, the guy with the guy with the hammer. On it. Oh, research department. Uh, yeah, he's he's uh, Ronan. Oh, okay, the big blue guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Davis, who see she's uh, got shortish blonde hair and kind of looks a little bit punk, so she always seems to play a computer hacker or a 
programmer type person, which she does in this show, but she was also in one of the Transformers movies, I believe, or in uh, maybe Gravity or something. But anyway, uh, Scoot McNary, who you best probably know as the guy that blew up in Superman vs. Batman and The Watcher, and Carrie Bichet, who I'm not sure what else she's been in, but she's got a much more expanded role this year. Um, so it is season four. Uh, season one covered, uh, was in the early 80s, like 1983, covered the rise of the PC. Season two covered the rise of ISPs or internet search, internet search providers. Now Jimmy knows why I was asking him what an ISP was earlier this week. <laughs> now I know. Yeah. What, what and is knowing that? is half the battle. Yeah. What's the name for those dial-up things? <laughs> huh. It was like internet service providers? Yeah. It's like, yeah, like AOL and Netscape. <laughs> uh, season three was kind of jumped us to 1986, and it was about online gaming and chat and instant messaging and even some online shopping. So, you know, definitely on the precursor of that stuff. And uh, season four, while it's just starting, I'm definitely thinking it's leaning towards search engines, and it has jumped us all the way up to about 1993-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around there. Um, so the show is really great. Uh, the main character is, is uh, Joe McMillan, who's Lee Pace's mm-hmm. character, and he's kind of this... He designed his character to be a combination of Steve Jobs, like wanting to be on the forefront of everything, but really sociopathic. So kind of like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Oh. And a little bit dapper and a really good salesperson like Don Draper from Mad Men. That was like his words. Mm-hmm. And wow. I really like the show because it's like – it's a real look at these decades. So it's not like they force things. It's not like you know they're in the 90s now. They're not like – can't program right now. I have to go listen to Nirvana. Oh, you know, God, I hate that so much. Yeah, like, oh, when you're done with that, we should check out Seinfeld. You know, like, they don't go like that. Like, name-dropping, just... Yeah, just it, only if it makes sense. And there's not even people showing up with the shirts or anything. It's But, like, for example, this season, they're trying to get out their software, and they can't because AOL has already started. And they're like, they come in with this handful of discs that they found at, like, a local store the CDs that everyone remembers, the free free software. Yep. And they come in with this. They're like, how are we going to compete with this? These are in every store in the country. So that's when they kind of start thinking maybe we should lean towards search providers. Um, so it's really an interesting show. It's uh, I always tell people to check it out. and I mean, it's on season four, so you might have to go back and find the other ones. But I think you can stream it via AMC because that's the channel it's on AMC. Okay. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, just definitely something uh, I really enjoy it. And I, I love looking back at, realistic views of earlier decades and, and things like that. So like Mad Men and Halt and Catch Fire, if you like that <laughs> stuff, um, or if you're into technology, you're going to – it's not a true story, but it runs parallel to true stories. Now, I have a question. Yeah. Um, you noted the cast. Does it – You and it kind of jumps from big innovation to big innovation, which were you know a few years apart. Is it – the same cast playing the same characters for the same company in these uh, they, stressed out years, or do they kind of switch roles? Or Okay, so the way it started was the main character was kind of the salesperson and the big thinker, like the Steve Jobs. Right. Scoot McNary, the guy that was in the wheelchair that blew himself up in, in uh, Superman. Mm-hmm. He was the programmer, like the guy that was building stuff in his garage. And he was, so he was the uh, hardware guy. Steve Wozniak. Yeah, yeah. And the programmer was Mackenzie Davis, the the one I said was kind of like a punk programmer and everything. Mm-hmm. And so they started one thing, which was the innovation of the PC, but they get beaten out by Apple, which is not a spoiler because it 
you know that Apple kind of took over early on in the PC world. So they kind of shift to internet and being like, wait, a lot of this stuff can happen off-site. No, they don't have to. The computer could just be a terminal, basically. So it is the same characters, but they they definitely, the company gets broken up. There's, you know, a season where they're apart for most of it, and they they keep on coming together somehow. Um, this season is actually really interesting because two of the characters end up divorced, and they also end up competing with each other, but the comp- the mm-hmm. competing is it's husband ver- ex-husband versus ex-wife, but the cool part about it is the the husband isn't really pursuing the competition for this web browser for his own company. He was doing it to help his daughter, and it turns out that his daughter is kind of like a computer wonder kid, so he's helping his daughter and his ex-wife who's the mother of this girl, is like, why are you trying to compete with me? And he's like, you're not. It's, you're competing with your own daughter. And that was kind uh-huh. of the end of episode three. And it, it's a really interesting twist. And it's it's realistically done, because it's not like the girl's actually making Google. Mm-hmm. But she's making, like, an indexing system where she's going through, finding all the websites she likes and, like, setting tag, tag words for them and stuff like that. And okay. and the the other company is like, look at this site. This one's really good. They have a much better organization system than we do because they're, they're just complaining that, like, their stuff is all built by committee where there's a bunch of different people. Like, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we organize it alphabetically? Why don't we do it like this? Why don't we have categories? And the girl's just, like, sitting in a room, like, setting up a web page that has all the links. So it's definitely an interesting look back at the stuff, and I've heard it's very realistic and, like, very accurate from people that were alive and in the computer world back then. Uh, my father-in-law, for example, said, like, he remembers yeah, yeah. this era when, like, every the era when everyone had IBM because if a client came in and saw that you didn't have IBM, they didn't think you were a legit business. Interesting. So, like, all these companies were were having to argue with the what was expected of a company. So, mm. that's uh, that's my first one. I, I I definitely think you should check it out. I might awesome. have to look into it. Well, I guess I'll go next. Um, I actually had the opportunity last night, which is why we're recording tonight. Normally we record Wednesday nights, but I actually had the opportunity last night to go check out Spirit of Aloha. Uh, it's a luau, uh, like dinner, uh, event theater, I guess, at um, the Polynesian Resort. Oh wait, Rob, oh, before nice. you start, um, have you seen any hurricane yet? As you are strapped outside of the studio, anything? No, no, no. I, okay, I've seen, good. I've seen nothing yet. It, it appears that it is still frightened away. Okay. Good. <laughs> Talk fast. Okay. So. So we went, like I said, we went to Spirit of Aloha. A mm-hmm. um, couple of things I noticed right off the bat was that they are way better than the Mai Kai that I went to down in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> <laughs> um, the dancers are really good. Um, they've got kind of like a story going on. They're they're basic. It's basically a luau for one of the, one of the one of the cast members, air quotes, um, who's playing a character who's who's going away, I guess. And they're basically throwing her a goodbye party. And, um, and they basically take you through all the dances of the Polynesian islands. Um, it's, it's fairly expensive. It's like 80 bucks, 80 to a hundred bucks a head. Um, but all of the food is included. A lot of the alcohol is included. It includes beer. It includes wine and it includes a couple of other drinks. I think if you want like cocktails and stuff, you have to pay for those separately. But it does include beer and wine and we but had if you order the cocktails, you get to drink it out of a monkey it's a coconut that's shaped like a monkey head. Yes, that is totally not true. Um... no it isn't it certainly is. I've got one downstairs. 
Oh, do you? I do. I I'm saw the... absolutely no monkey heads while I was there. It, I will put it on the website. I will put it and, on the Facebook page. And they and they did not. I'm I'm mad. They didn't even offer me that. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to have a conversation with Kimmy. Anyway, we actually had the sangria. The sangria was really good. Um, and they they bring out a um, a like a appetizer platter that has like soba noodles. It's got like a salad. That's got a poppy mango dressing. What is a salad? It was something that I've become very familiar with because it's it's edible for me on the diet that I'm doing. So, which is working very well for me. For anyone who's interested, I'm down over 30 pounds. Wow, it's very good. Um, and if you want to know more, just email us. Um, but the the mango poppy seed dressing was was actually really good, and it also the the appetizer plate also included fresh pineapple. <laughs> And once you finished with that, they brought out the meat plate. And I say the meat plate because that's pretty much all that was on this plate. There was there was a little bit of vegetables. It was like carrots and green beans, I think, on one end. But then it was pulled pork, which was excellent. It had no sauce on it, but it was seasoned perfectly. It had uh, St. Louis-style ribs, and they had like a barbecue sauce on them. And the bones were like really short. They were like all meat. And, oh, man, those were so good. And then on top of that, which was actually probably my favorite, was the chicken. The chicken was so tender and it was so moist, and it had it. It also had a barbecue-ish dressing on it, but the chicken was so good. I really liked the chicken. The ribs were probably well, no, because the pulled pork was better than the ribs. I think pulled he's pork. Ar- he's arguing with himself. I I am totally <laughs> arguing with myself. I loved the meats. It was so good. Um, He's also leaving it wide open, him screaming out that he loves the meats. I did. I did. Nobody took me up on it. I'm kind of disappointed in you, Greg. Um, The pulled pork was probably my number two. The ribs were number three. But, I mean, really it was a toss-up because all three of them were just so good. And the dessert, which was included also, was a pineapple coconut cake that had like a pineapple fruit filling in between the two layers and a guava icing. Man, that was really good. <laughs> it went really good with my drink that I was drinking out of a monkey head. Yes, that I was not offered, and I'm still upset about that. And as far as the entertainment goes, they sing, they dance. After all, miss this. Well, no, it's not France. Um, <laughs> they they had a fire dancer. They did dances from several of the islands. Um, and it was it was just a really good time. They got they got us up. They got us. They got us into it. They had, they had like a crash course hula dancing lesson. So we got up there and they're like, okay, do this. And they, they weren't really calling the moves out. It was more like the people were standing in front of you and you kind of had to follow them. And it was like, oh, now we're doing, oh, oh, now we're spinning. Now we're doing, oh, okay. <laughs> this isn't really much of a lesson. We're just kind of like mimicking you and doing a bad job. But, you know, it was still fun. We got up, we laughed, we had a good time. And then they had they actually had an opportunity for everybody to get up and slow dance. So if you go with your significant other, you can get up and slow dance. They had they had a nice little it was probably a good like three minute song where everybody could get up and dance. I was Aww. I was very surprised that not everybody got up and danced. But, you know, whatever. The and it's it's outside, so it, it we were kinda worried walking in because it was kind of a, a warm, muggy night. 
but the it's it's outside but it's under an overhang and they have they have fans and they had a rotating fan so it 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 really wasn't bad at all it underneath the overhang you were kept cool even if it were to rain that well it might have rained on the dancers and whatnot so that it might have gotten rained out. I'm not sure what would have happened in that instance, but luckily the weather held for us. And it was actually a really good time. We all had a lot of fun, and like I said, the food is fantastic. I mean, the food was just really good. Yeah, I went there uh, not this most recent Father's Day, but two Father's Days ago. Mm-hmm. And it was – the food was really good. It was the, – the dancing part, my little guy was not into it at first. I think it was really hot that night, and mm-hmm. it was a little – he was a little agitated until they pulled out the fire and the swords and the spears, and then he was like, mm-hmm. "Game on." Well, how old um, was he then? Uh, he was three. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. I, and see, that would probably like, be a little fire younger than I would. Oh yeah, swords. What little boy doesn't? Exactly. <laughs> um, the other thing that was weird that night is he was trying to go on that beach that's nearby, and it turned oh. out the next, the very next day was it's the same beach well it's not the same beach but it's on the same lake it's across the lake from where the other little boy got grabbed by the alligator literally the next day wow so he kept on wanting to go on this beach and i was on there with him but i didn't let him go in the water because i'm like no it's florida i'm from florida well i live in florida i know better i know that every body of water regardless of how family friendly it is is probably probably gonna have an alligator in it so i kept them away but apparently right across the lake um that other little boy got grabbed and it was yeah it was uh a little shocking a little bit and the weird thing was is that i was the only adult on it was a pretty big beach uh, and i was the only adult on there and also also of note with that beach that beach is a fantastic location to watch the magic kingdom fireworks you can't hear yep. the music and you can't see the projection on the castle but you've got a fantastic view of the fireworks as they explode over the castle that is a pro tip from rob that Absolutely. is now. We're gonna miss him when the hurricane drags him away. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> when you watched it, was it kind of timed so you could actually see the fireworks, or did, were the fireworks happening while the show was no you, was happening? The, the fireworks were happening while we were eating. I don't, if I remember okay. correctly, because they had they had breaks where it, it wasn't like they set food down in front of you and and insisted that you eat and watch at the same time. They gave you time to actually eat. And then they would do, and then they would do some performance, and then they'd give you another break, and you could eat some more. Um, I mean, you could also always eat straight through during the during the performance, because by the way, it is also all you can eat. They will keep bringing the food oh. out as long as, as long as you want them to. So you can awesome. you can totally stuff yourself. We we avoided yeah. that, but it was the the food. It, it was hard because the food was really good. <laughs> for for what it is. Uh, being a Disney production on Disney property, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about this in the past. It, it, Disney does not mess around when it no. comes to their presentation, when it comes to the food that they serve. That, to me, honestly, at $80 a head for, for what it is, the entertainment, the food, and everything, does not sound that bad. Yeah, and yeah. I think you get a pass holder discount, too. If I remember correctly, I, we got that. I got a it little is, bit more of a discount than that. Uh, it is definitely an event it sounds like to to put aside for but i mean again doesn't sound that awful to me Mm -hmm. it was it was it was a good time and i definitely recommend it if you're in the area and you're looking for something to go do that like i said i mean you you really can't go wrong 
Yeah, I, I can imagine. You get to drink out of a monkey head. Yes. <laughs> Dang it, I'm going to have to go back. I need a monkey head. I think there are, and this could be another pro tip to some listeners outside of Florida, there are, you know, when you come down with the family, you come down with the kids, there are, there's going to be a night that, that mom and dad might need to themselves to go out. And it sounds like this could be a really, you know, good. And Rob will babysit for your child. Trust me. Yeah. He is. He offers very competitive rates, but he'll do it. Shall we move on? Pay no attention to the balloons and clown suit. As much as I don't <laughs> want to move on, we can. No, oh, wait. Did you have a qu- another question? We can. I did not have another question, though. My girlfriend. Um, oh, go on. Recently went to Hawaii and came back, and kind of turned me on to Hawaiian cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to give a little little shout out. This is this is not paid for or anything, but. Um, if you guys have never been to Salas Hawaiian Slurp Jack in Apaka, you definitely need to check it out. Hmm. Okay. What's the name so, of that place again? Salas Hawaiian Slurp Jack. Little tiny, unassuming place in Apaka, but man, I love going there. And I cannot wait to visit Hawaii someday soon. Nice. Are you putting in, is that officially putting in vacation time? Oh, we'll see what happens after early next week. <laughs> Gotcha. We might we might have to do a give me five trip. Yeah, because our house might be in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to go from the bright, sunny Hawaii to something way darker. And Rob, you can say it, the, the new, since you say it so much better than me, the new EP by what band? Perturbator. Yeah. Jimmy? Now, you say band, uh, but... It's actually one person. Uh, we talked, you know, at length about uh, a new track that James Kent, a.k.a. Perturbator, uh, put out recently called Vanna Black. And Vanna Black is actually part of this EP that came out called New Model. And... You know, because we talked about it last time, we are very much looking forward to seeing Perturbator in his first Florida show uh, coming up at the end of this month. The new EP is really dark, (laughs) away from the, you know, sunny uh, Hawaii that we all picture. While Vanna Black is a very, we use this term a lot, like slow burn kind of a song for anyone maybe concerned that perturbator perturbator was maybe getting away from you know his roots because uh, he's been around for a while you're right and you're wrong i think it's an intentional departure from quote synthwave um as as perturbator himself james kent says that he he doesn't like genres they tend to, to make people talk too much and you know forget to to listen to the actual music that's presented to them yeah when i when i saw that quote i actually wanted to kind of present that to you guys too like do you agree or don't like i i do you know i honestly hate saying synthwave mm-hmm. i i well, hate I mean, I... it but how am i going to describe it to other people I think with with any with any topic that people get really passionate about, there gets there becomes a point where 
they stop actually considering what they're talking about and just talk about it. I mean, like they don't pay attention to it anymore. Um, they 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 spend more time critiquing it than actually listening to it. And that's and that's one of the big problems I have with like movie critics mm-hmm. because movie critics don't go to movies to just enjoy the movies anymore. Right. And that's why I never listen to a movie critic's opinion on a movie. I always I always go to the movie to to watch the movie to enjoy the movie because when Which I Which is go how to you movie, ended up seeing Baywatch. It is. It totally is and I loved it. I thought it was funny. It was great. Um, he was into it. I totally was. But you know, it's anytime you have you have a group of people that that are, and it's really weird because it happens with people who are truly passionate about the topic and they want to discuss it, but they focus too much on the on the minutia that they lose the overall yeah. picture of what's going on. Yeah, my my thought on the music side of it is, I think the genres are necessary for the marketing side of things, at least. You're going back to the days of walking into a record store and being like, I'm going to go to the heavy metal section. I'm going to see what new stuff is there. You're going to go to the country section, et cetera, et cetera. So I like that. But I think once I got out of you know, high school, the, the genre of things really didn't matter as much to me. I mean, I was shocked much many years later when being a metal fan that also liked grunge because they were both rock and they are both popular right around the same time, that there were hardcore metal fans that were a little older than me that were legitimately mad at you if you were wearing a Nirvana shirt or a Pearl Jam shirt or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I like all of that stuff. You know, my Metallic album sat right next to my Pearl Jam album on my CD rack. Um, and and you being the music lover that you are, you were shocked yourself when there was other stuff from other genres that you typically would like to avoid that you... Because I remember when you when you called me and was like, "Oh my God, Rob! I found a country song I like." <laughs> <laughs> there's still there's still only like five, but but they're out there. And, and there's only there's five, and then everything by Johnny Cash. Oh, there you go. Oh. Well, yeah. So, so anyway, sorry, back to Perturbator. My bad. Back to Perturbator, Greg. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us kind of the concept or story of this album? Because I think it's really funny. It was interesting because I'm. Being a creative, I found that one of the things that I have a really hard time with is letting the story happen and not trying to presuppose, especially if there's like not words or anything like that. You know, like mm-hmm. listening to music and being like, what did the what was the artist trying to tell me versus what do I think it means to me? Like even with songs with lyrics, I have a hard time with that. I'll pick out one lyric that I like, and even though the rest of the song is about something completely different, that one lyric, I'm like, oh wow, that describes me. But the rest of the song could be something different. So when I was listening to this, I actually my thought was like wow this sounds really a lot like it's you know a tale a tale of the future a dark tale of the future where and i got all these feelings of like blade runner and terminator and then i went and looked up what he actually thought the album was about or what he made it to be about and it was about an artificial intelligence from the future that has mastered time travel and sends artificial intelligence sends someone back in time to basically hunt down the humans that tried to prevent it from realizing its its actualization and so it's terminator so it's very terminator 2 based but a little more ethereal um i don't think it really involved a terminator kind of thing but there's no words that you kind of have to make that up yourself that's you know basically what it was yeah there there are words in phantom black 
and going back after hearing this and listening to it, it does make sense from the perspective of an AI coming back to kind of enact its its revenge on its creator. Um, the the reason I wanted you to introduce that is because before even reading your show notes on this and before even looking up his vision for this album, in my mind, I I I heard this as the soundtrack for the eventual robot apocalypse it is no joke without reading or hearing of any of that because that's what it sounds like mm-hmm. you could close your eyes while listening to the album without even knowing that and that's that is the feeling you get out of it you can very easily i think if you close your eyes if you're a fan of sci-fi and terminator especially you can close your eyes and picture that you know t2000 Stepping on the human skull and crushing it, mm-hmm. yeah. and that would almost—that would almost be their their marching song. So, just to get into the kind of nitty gritty of it, we've talked about Vanna Black in previous episodes. Um, there are only five tracks on this EP, and I think the rest of the EP which is came a, out by surprise, by the way, it, it did. Um, Tactical Precision Disarray actually came out before Vanta Black and that is a very hard hitting grindy kind of track um, it's it's gritty and um, you know the whole tone of the album is dark but it's very deep and very heavy uh, I, I guess kind of the most dance like song on there is, is Corrupted by Design it's probably the grooviest track on there uh, Birth of a New Model is another, you know, towards the end of it, it's it's pretty heavy, but it's it's very atmospheric and, and kind of, you know, score-like. Uh, my favorite song from the EP is Tainted Empire. Um, it's and we'll we'll maybe play a little bit of that after this little chat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a review, so it's fair use, so we can do. We'll play a little bit of some of these songs after each one. You'll heard that at this point, but yeah. Um, the the best way I can describe Tainted Empire is it starts it hits hard from the very beginning. It's it's very cutting. It's very stabby, uh, and it it's got very hard. It, it, the the thing I love most about this is it's got these very hard live sounding drums. Now I don't know if he actually had a drummer on this track, but it sounds very like there's a very much like there's a drummer in the studio so I give it two thumbs way up I think it's a, a fantastic EP and I cannot wait to see him in person yeah I'm hopefully going to be down there and and I gotta tell you I love listening to you guys describe to describe and talk about music because I, I mean it, it's such a different point of view because I don't I mean I, I like music I like I, I like music that I that I can sing with um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little bit more of a singer, so... But you listen like, to mostly mid-century polka? Yes, yes. Oh, it's so much fun. The more accordions, <laughs> the better. But but listening to you guys describe music is, is actually really, really nice, because this is, this is not, like, the terms and stuff that I would typically use to describe music, you know what I mean? But, and that's the great thing about music, that everybody sees it a different way, so... Awesome. You want to take us into the next one, Greg? I do want to take us into the next one, and I had the opportunity to watch Death Note. I actually had the opportunity to stream a lot of things because 
uh, a couple weeks ago, my, my little guy had strep throat, so I was kind of stuck at home on the weekend. So I no, I did not watch Death Note with the child, but no oh, good at night. <laughs> Although fun, funny story, and you'll find it more. You guys will find it more funny. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell it after we talk about the movie. Okay. Um, so I got a chance to watch Death Note. I actually watched The Tick, which I think I might review possibly next episode, depending on what's going on. Nice. I've heard it's good. It's funny. It's funny. But uh, Death Note. So it turns out that I, I end up finding, so far I've talked a lot about watching things that the genre or the original delivery method or the style is not usually my favorite. And that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast to begin with, to watch things with a more critical eye and force myself to watch things that I might not necessarily immediately be drawn to. And, and break all of the rules that I just complained about with people talking about music. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. 100%. So Death Note, while big fan of horror, big fan of psychological horror, so it definitely falls into that, but I'm not a big mm -hmm. fan of, of manga or anime, which is kind of where this thing got its roots. Um, yes. However, it was adapted for, for America, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into some conversation about that in a little bit. Hmm. Um, and it was probably something I should say, or Jimmy and I should say at least, is it was directed by Adam Wingard, um, who's done a bunch of stuff. Jimmy knows that better, so go ahead. The other Adam Wingard is the director of one of my favorite mo modern horror movies, and that's Your Next. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, Adam Wingard also directed the latest incarnation of The Blair Witch, so he's he's definitely cut his teeth on some yeah. some horror stylings, and he's also is, a graduate. Is there a new incarnation of the Blair Witch? Yeah, it was, came out about yep. a little less than a year ago. Oh, oh, I I thought there was one that was coming out very recently. I thought we were talking oh, about no. one that was on. I was like, really, another one? Stop. But he's also a graduate of the school that Jimmy and I teach at. He was not one of our students, but he did go there. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things we feel like we should say because we're not going to lead you towards something that we don't think is good just because we happen to know the person or we happen to, you know, have some association with the person. Um, they basically took this thing, just so if you guys, I'm going to talk a little bit about what Death Note is about, but not, it's going to be a very brief summary. So basically a Death Note is a notebook where if you write someone's name in it, they will die of some sort of heart trouble within like 40 minutes. Or you well, can actually write. Right, you can specify how they die. Or you die. can specify how they die and a lot of the other things around that. So you'd say, like, you know, a car jump, swerves to avoid a dog and hits somebody, that type of thing. Um, it is the main vehicle or the main way that these demons that are called uh, Shinigami use to basically kill off mortals. And the Shinigami are Japanese death demons that they kill off mortals and kind of take the remaining life force in order to basically become immortal themselves. Um, so this one Shinigami, he's basically bored. And he drops his Death Note down to Earth. A genius kid finds it and basically uses it to kind of almost become like a supernatural punisher, where he's basically killing off criminals. He'll and the way the story works is the book works is you have to write the name in it while picturing the person's face, so that like yes. this people is named like you know Jim Smith aren't going to die all over the world when the name gets written in there. So, but you also have to know what their face looks like. So yes. you can't just write a name. You have to know. You have to basically have seen the person or know what they look like. Yeah, so he's looking at articles and being like, oh, this person, you know, did something terrible and got got off scot-free, so he'll look at the picture of the person's face and write their name in there. And he basically becomes like this avenging god to a bunch of disaffected people. And then 
pe- some people know about the Death Note's existence and kind of come after him. And then, of course, he gets a girlfriend and pe- comes out who he really is. And there's a lot of things going on, which I don't want to really ruin the rest of the show. But that's just kind of the, the beginning of the story. Uh, now, the, I did mention a little bit of the fact that it came from a, a Japanese uh, manga story that ran, I believe I have it right here, uh, ran for 108 chapters. And there was like a 37-episode anime series. So it was obviously a very big hit in Japan. Uh, there were also two live-action movies, which apparently uh, weren't very good. Because all of the research I did on them basically said don't even bother. But definitely look at the anime and or watch the anime and read the, the comic. Um, Rob, you're more into that side of things. Have you done either? Um, I have not read the manga. I've seen bits and pieces of the anime. Um, it was never really anything that kind of caught my attention. Um, like I said, I've I've seen a couple of the episodes. I, I know the basic premise of the story, but it was never anything that I followed religiously. But I did I did see the I did see this this uh, Netflix original movie. Yeah, and I thought that that first of all the demon is really the reason that caught my eye because you I, if you're on the internet for a while you're eventually going to see a picture of this demon because he's pretty terrifying looking you know giant eyes kind of spiky hair spiky things on the on his shoulders and yeah and oddly have... enough they didn't have to do any makeup on the guy who played him yeah right <laughs> except for making his head look way bigger uh, and he looks like he's really terrifying looking and a lot of people kind of kind of photoshopped him into various images and you know put things in there's you know like this the jump scare videos and stuff like that so you might have run into a picture of him which is actually the reason why like I mentioned it once a while ago, and you're, so I was like, "Oh, that guy that they with the I just did the description," and someone was like, "Oh, you're talking about Ryuk or Ryuk, Ryuk, yeah, yeah, from Ryuk, from, from uh, Death Note." Yep. So you know, he's played by Willem Dafoe, by the way. Yeah, which and he's, he, it's he's perfect voiced casting. by Willem Dafoe. Yeah, and they also, like Rob said, they didn't have to do much make. They put all the little markers on his face and everything, so you can really see his facial expressions in there. Yeah. So. But yeah, so there was, you know, the rest of the beginning of casting. I mean, they, they cast uh, Shea Wiggum as the, the kid's father. He's the guy from Boardwalk Empire, and he was in um, uh, True Detective as the tent revival preacher. Uh, Nat Wolf, Lakeith Stanfield. So these are a bunch of American names, some of which are up-and-coming actors. And some people had a lot of problems with that. And I don't really want to get too much into the, the whole whitewashing thing because I, have a real, I honestly have a problem telling people how to market things and – how to tell you know casting agents how to do their job but knowing that it comes from japanese folklore i do have a little bit of hesitation on that but it didn't cause me to enjoy it any less um i don't think you guys probably cared either no i, I mean, especially since the other lead was was black i mean the the, I, guy, that, the guy that they got to play l l yeah, yeah. lakeith stanfield um i have no knowledge of the anime other than it existed and if you type in death note netflix on google you're gonna get a litany of you know what's wrong with death note this movie sucks uh, a whole just list of reasons why um and I think a lot of those reasons why come from the people who are fans of the manga or who are fans of the anime um, I'd be curious if you guys would like to interact with us and let us know if you're a fan of the anime or the manga, what was your biggest problem with the film? I'd really like to hear it because 
you know, having no knowledge. And like Greg said, I, I really did enjoy the movie. I'm a fan of Adam Wingard's work. I thought the act acting was really well. Um, I thought, I thought it was, you know, I'm going to say fun, but I, you know, I thought it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. I think my hesitation on whenever anyone mentions that is I want the filmmakers to tell the best story they possibly can. So I think just, they failed in that respect. And like for, for I'll go, I'll, I'm just going to mention this one little thing here. Like everyone was really hard on Iron Fist. And I was like, you know, look, let Marvel Studios cast who they want to. And in this case, they cast the person that looked the most like the actual character in the comic. But then someone pointed out, like, that it would be a little more interesting if he was an Asian-American man that was trying to kind of re-catch up with his actual culture. And I was like, oh, that would have actually been way more interesting than what had happened. So in that case, I was like, you know what? Their casting was wrong because they could have told a better story. On this one, the same general thing crossed my mind, but not so much with the casting like of the demon and the main character it was kind of like the way the story progressed it did progress very much like a like an asian horror movie where the story was was almost bigger and more spiritual than most american movies and that's where i think it really lost something by not having an asian actor in the lead or or even be set in japan or something like that that's really like the only thing where I really felt it lost. Um, Rob, you said that the that the you felt that it didn't tell a good story. Um, uh, no, I didn't. Um, I mean, the movie the movie was interesting, but it really and and part of the problem I think was just the the length of the movie because the movie is only about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and the story and the setup and the all of the intrigue and all of the deduction and all of the all of the work that basically goes in to L trying to figure out who is Kira. Who's killing was, the people. Was was completely gone. Yes. And and these these I mean the the leaps of logic that they made to connect the dots were not leaps i mean they were full out let me fly this plane across this chasm i, I mean, agree they, they weren't they, it was boiled it, down to one line too like oh i've been training for this my whole life i'm a super yeah detective. and i was like okay. wait how in the hell did you connect those nobody would connect those dots are you serious <laughs> and and it really kind of let because at one point they actually spend what like five five minutes of this hour and a half five to ten minutes of this hour and a half explaining how he made the leap and i'm like no that's that's not no you nobody would make that connect how do you what yeah (laughs) you explained it to me and it still doesn't make any sense it still is like well i got here because he has to be the bad guy because that's what the script says Mm -hmm. that is one of the byproducts of taking a 108 chapter book or books 100 a chapter is technically a book right Right. And boiling it down to an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. And and that was that was my biggest complaint with with um Death Note was that there really was no no logical connection to to L even being there. So I mean if I if I'm not mistaken, I mean I could be wrong because like I said I wasn't I wasn't 
following the actual story of Death Note all that closely in the manga or the anime. But I believe it all took place in Japan. And uh, L was Oh, the original one. Oh, it did take yeah. it, it did take place in Seattle. The the T V the Netflix movie took place in Seattle. No, no, I know. I'm talking about the manga and the anime. Oh, no, the manga took place in Japan. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. The the manga and the anime took place in Japan, and L was based out of Japan, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Whereas in this episode, or in this movie, L is based out of Japan, and it's like some international thing, and he he looks it up, and he figures out that, oh, it's coming from Seattle, and it's like, wait, what? How – and and he does it just by just by linking a an unusual death in Seattle that was displayed on the Seattle news. Therefore, it had to have come from Seattle. And I'm like, wait a minute, no, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is no, I'm I'm not buying it. Yeah, and that's going to tie into something that I'll talk about in a little bit, actually. Um, L, you mentioned L a bunch of times. I thought that L was an interesting character to some extent and he, he was, was odd and he i will like say odd i will say that lakeith did his name was lakeith right yeah yeah i will He's say that the lakeith, show atlanta he did an excellent job portraying l yeah um i am familiar with some of l's mannerisms i've seen enough of the show to understand that but i thought that lakeith did a, did actually a very good job with the role that he was given not you know it, it my my issues weren't with the actor or how he portrayed the role it was more with the actual writing of the story yeah he kind of it seemed like some of his quirks because of the shortness of the show like they just seemed really forced like i'm going to be weird and interesting because i'm going to eat candy all the time or i or, sit weird yeah yeah but it's like it's almost like the the person that decides one day like you know what i'm going to be the silly hat guy and he's going to grab like a crocodile dundee hat and walk around with that all the time because I'm going to be the hat guy. Like, it didn't seem natural. It just kind of seemed like, oh, I have to check off this box like to make it more awkward and weird. Right. Um, so, and it, like, they actually revisit the, the candy thing at the end of the credits. And it was kind of like, why is there candy in the credits? Because, oh, he was eating it all the time. Okay. But it's like, oh, yeah, he has to keep his blood sugar up and he can't sleep for but an hour at a time. Oh, okay. Yeah, it right. was, it was, it was weird. Yeah, we didn't actually even discuss the the love interest, the eventually psycho girlfriend. Oh my god, she was crazy. Yeah, she was pretty crazy. Yeah, um, and Jimmy's into that. You know, so. um, I mean, <laughs> no. So Light Turner's love interest in the story was uh, this girl who was, I think, popular. She was a cheerleader, but she smoked cigarettes. She was like the emo cheerleader, I think. Yeah. And she eventually, when she and Light got together, Light revealed that he had this, this book that he could kind of off whomever he wanted. <laughs> Which happened way too quick, by the way. That was one of the other things. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, you guys are Kira? Oh, okay. Hmm. He's he he's just committed his first murder, and he's like, I can't tell anybody. Oh wait, you want to know? Okay, let's do. Yeah. It. Uh, here, let me show you. I'm like, wait, well, what? He was kind of like a, a, I don't know, like the dollar store version of uh, Kristen Stewart, kind of, to me. <laughs> wow. Is that wrong? <laughs> uh, I mean. Uh, yeah. 
No, that's I, I, I have to say that might be actually really accurate. <laughs> not a bad actress, just not as well, not no, known yet. Not at all. Just the way it was written. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's what I meant. More like a a dollar store version of uh, Kristen Stewart's portrayal of Bella in Twilight. And yes, I had to look that up on IMDb, as I have not actually no, seen didn't. Twilight. Oh, you didn't. You this are week. so lucky. No, I've actually not seen Twilight. Any of them, actually. Anyway, go on. Jimmy. Who? Wait, what? <laughs> I said, anyway, go on. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were done. No. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you were talking about the psycho? Yeah, so Light's love interest, uh, they become romantically and murderously involved. <laughs> and, you know, she st- hey, what about this guy? Or let's kill this guy. Let's kill this guy. And it kind of devolves from there she, into this kind of noble thing. She gets addicted to the power. She does, exactly. I, they both do. And, yeah, <laughs> it was entertaining. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't dislike I the fact that it. I watched it. Um, and I think that it fooled me in the end. Without getting too deep into it, there was, I don't know if I'd call it a twist ending, but there's something, there's something about movies where if, like, if you're watching the conflict of a movie and you think that, the lead character is unaware of something that other people are planning or things that other people are planning, like in a heist, if someone gets caught, you're like, oh, crap. But it turns out that part of the heist was for the person to get caught. You know, like it was already pre-planned. It's kind of like that mm-hmm. at the end, and I, I always fall for that in movies. So with this one, there was a lot of things just like Rob was talking about and a lot of other little things that happened that I'm like, okay, well, that led too much to coincidence and that led to this wouldn't have happened, et cetera, et cetera. And they do clear that up and they mention it, but I I almost think that they were aware of the shortcomings. And we're like, oh, maybe we need to throw away this or throw in this one line here to fix that one problem that we – or that one open-ended thing we let, had happen earlier. But it kind of fooled me to – I liked it at the beginning. In the middle, everything got really big really quick. In fact, the thing that Rob mentioned about the tracking him down, I stepped away. I was watching it at night, and I stepped away to go brush my teeth and – and uh, get ready for bed. And I came and back. You thought and, it had been fast forwarded or something. Yeah, like I came back and like things had progressed like a lot as they people had found him at this point and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I got to rewind this. So it was interesting that you said that like while wow, things went fast, it, like it was really like five minutes and all of a sudden it's like a national phenomena. Um, yeah. But when the end happened, I actually enjoyed the end, which a lot of movies recently I've seen, they don't stick the landing on the end. And I think this one did a little bit better. Well, which maybe, and see, which I, fooled me into thinking I liked it more than I probably did. And see, I don't know that I liked the ending because I, I mean, like I said, I didn't follow the show. And maybe any of our viewer, or any of our listeners out there who have followed it, can write in and and fill us in a little bit, or maybe we can ask the research department. But I don't know that the um, that the, the L character actually lost control and changed his personality. Like he did at the end, because at the end of this movie, L went absolutely apeshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and I don't, I mean, I don't remember. Like I said, I didn't follow it all that closely, so I don't know. But, but L was always so controlled, and that was one of the things that was so infuriating. I thought for for Kira was that you know he knew L knew that he was Kira, and that he just couldn't prove it. And Kira knew that L knew that he was Kira, and Kira was trying to to get around it um 
And if I'm not mistaken, the the uh, light in the actual anime manga was actually somewhat of a psychopath, whereas the L in this movie was more of the the high road. Oh well, we'll only kill people who deserve it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Kind of an awkward genius, but he wasn't actually yeah. all that awkward. Right. So, so um, I guess if you have an hour and a half to kill, I don't know, say when you're trapped in your house during a hurricane, um, <laughs> I would check it out. It's going to be on Netflix till the end of time, so it's going to be there. And it was pretty good horror. It had pretty good gore. Um, I'm not upset that I watched it. So, and I think I don't think I definitely Jimmy's definitely not. Rob, are you angry that I made you watch it? I'm not angry, but I didn't. I, I probably would not rate it all that high. Okay. I, I would I would probably not give it any more than a C. So this week I was fortunate enough, and I feel fortunate because this is the 40th anniversary of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And on spoiler a, alert! <laughs> spoiler alert! You've had 40 years to watch this movie. Um, they've re-released the movie uh, on a limited run in theaters, so it was very, very cool to see that up on screen, much like people would have seen 40 years ago. The original, the film was originally released on November 16th, 1977. Yeah, it was, um, when you told me you went to see this, I kind of did, you know, my own little research on it, because I, I saw just the end of this movie, and then I was like, oh, wow, it came out in 1977, which we've talked about, same year as Star Wars, and I was like, that's too huge space movies in the same year and also two very different space movies one is a little more of a think piece one of obviously is just giant space opera blasters and light swords and all that stuff um so yeah it was uh it it just it's always interesting to me when when certain things will hit the human consciousness like around the same time and will kind of capture the the thought process of like america with because both of them were very successful Yes. If you have the opportunity while it's still in theaters, I would definitely suggest it. I, I don't think the quality of the movie was mm, all that much better. Yeah, did they punch it up or anything? Did they, mm. they didn't do the, the Star Wars treatment or the updated graphics treatment? I, I it, it looked dated. Uh, the colors seemed a lot, you know, pretty desaturated. Um, from a kind of viewing standpoint, but it looked good. You know, I, I think they, uh, a lot of people refer to a film like this as timeless. And I, I really felt like, well, I didn't feel like it came out yesterday. I, I feel like it does hold up despite being aged. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Are we moving on to the, the question? I believe we can. I think we can do that. Well, since, since I've been since I've been tied up naked outside the studio, waiting for this storm, we're gonna go ahead and do our give me five question as the top five storm related media, whether that be movies, music, video games, dealer's choice. Uh, Jimmy, did you tell him to actually be naked outside of the studio? Because I no, you did not. you took my clothes off when you tied me up. <laughs> that is not true. That was not me. No, was nor was it I. Wait, was it me? <laughs> yeah, anyway, top storm-related media. <laughs> Anything to get our minds off of uh, Rob's uh, tied-up naked body. Okay. Yes. Um, Jimmy? So we, yes. we obviously thought about this question earlier, and 
we came up with our own. We have not seen each other's answers, but I'm very interested to see how this goes. So, All right, well, I'll start off. And when posed with this question, my mind immediately went to um, films, while it could have been any other media, films at sea during a storm. And my five are, in no particular order, White Squall, Castaway with Tom Hanks, okay. All is Lost with Robert Redford in a very non-speaking role. Um, it's just him in a boat during a storm. Same with uh, pretty much Castaway for the most part. For the most part, although Tom Hanks does talk to himself and he talks to a, to a, a volleyball, volleyball for a while. Wilson! Wilson! Uh, Perfect Storm with Mark Wahlberg, George Clooney. Absolutely love that movie. And The Poseidon Adventure, which is a little bit older. Yeah. Not the remake of The Poseidon Adventure, which I heard was not good. No, the original. Yeah. Interesting. Nice, nice. Um, we, me and you actually have a little bit of crossover. Um, but I always like to go outside of the box on some of them. And one of mine is The U, the ESPN 30 for 30 about the Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> Okay. The, the reasoning being, of okay. course, the whole we'll hurricane give you that thing. One. We'll give and you I, that one. Yeah. And I grew up down – first of all, it's really good. If um, I'm not a Hurricanes fan by any stretch. But that documentary really brought me back to that late 80s, early 90s era about everything that was going on back there. And for me, I was not really that big into college football other mm-hmm. than being a Penn State fan. So I liked the fact that Penn State beat Miami. But – the thing I thought was interesting about it was, for me, the Hurricanes were these giant banners that were on the front of the Publix that I worked in, because they always were sponsored by the public. The Hurricanes were always sponsored by Publix, so seeing all of the stuff going, you know, learning all the stuff later on, I was like, wow, these giant banners and all these crazy fans there talking about the Hurricanes. There was a lot of crazy stuff going on, you know, drugs and strippers and all sorts of stuff. So, Cars and gifts. Yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, 2 Live Crew being a major part of that. But if you haven't seen the, the 30 for 30 ASBN thing on the, the U, it's worth it. Um, my number uh, three is also a little bit outside of the box, but the song Rock You Like a Hurricane, which has been going on my in my head while I'm trying to figure out how to you know clean up my back patio and get my generator to start. Scorpions. Uh, by, the, by the Scorpions, of course. You need Scorpions. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the next movie was, of course, White Squall. The very first movie I ever saw in a theater that was just me and the employees kind of hanging out overnight. And we played football in that theater before the movie started, and one of us, not me, ended up throwing a football through the very expensive screen. Oh, no. Oh, man. Definitely was not me. It was decidedly not me. I'm not liable. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I've seen your aim. <laughs> yeah, it was totally- no, it, it legitimately wasn't me. Um, it was him. Totally me. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. Uh, the movie The Finest Hours, which came out last year and did not do very well, but it uh, starred Chris Pine, and I, and it was a, about like this major Coast Guard uh, rescue during a giant storm. And Kevin and Costner also, wasn't it? Wasn't Kevin Costner like the instructor or something? I think so. That might be a different mm. movie. Or am I thinking I, of a different movie? I think I you might think... be thinking of the one with uh, – with Ashton Kutcher. Yes. Oh! As is, you know as is usually the case with you. If there's a movie well, you're like, does that have Ashton Kutcher in it? I have to go see it. Yeah. So, yeah, the um, 
The Finest Hours, it's, um, I think it got buried by some other movie around the time it came out. And it didn't deserve to be because it was, it had great drama. It had really good acting and it had beautiful effects. Um, and my number one is, of course, the um, Perfect Storm, also what Jimmy said. And the one thing I, I remembered is them talking a whole, a whole bunch about the effects and just the fact that these two storms were colliding or maybe three. I don't It's been a while. And how they did the effects of the storm. Yeah, two storms colliding. Graphically. And having now actually done a little bit of, very little bit of um, liquid simulation in 3D, I don't know how they pulled that movie off back then when the, no. when the computers... It's hard to do that now, and the computers had significantly less power and significantly less processing, and the programs weren't as nearly as good as they are now. So it's even more impressive going back and watching it. Nice. And now you, Rob. All right. Well, I know that you guys are curious because I actually I actually went different direction. Um, I had I don't think I had any crossover um, with my list and your list uh, this time around. Um, you did best hurricane themed pornography. My <laughs> my actual um, my actual list actually was revised uh, like right at the end of the day when I thought of something else. I was like, oh, and you'll be you'll be uh, you'll be proud of me, Greg. My entire list is not movies. However, the first I'm one, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the first one. Um, it, this one got actually bumped off my list because it was number five. But um, the one of the first things I thought of was Sharknado. Oh. <laughs> because you know me, I have to go. I have to go totally campy. So I Sharknado was originally on my list, but the thing that I added in. Um, actually ended up bumping it off. So the the first one I'm going to start with is, and this is the one I think will surprise you, is Stormfront. It was an what album that was released by Billy Joel. Ah. And this was one of the other things I thought of because I still remember the album cover for Stormfront. The flags. With the hurricane, or the the hurricane flags. It was a black cover, and it had two hurricane flags flying on the on a on the cover of the album and it had a bunch of it had a bunch of really good songs but i mean let's be honest can you listen to we didn't start the fire and not sing the chorus which sure. was released on that album sure so i'm gonna go ahead and put stormfront in there at number five and for the listeners at home this is actually a little bit of a of a make good because rob did insult billy joel in yes. an unreleased episode when we were first kind of doing tests on this podcast and, the, and I believe the episode was Rob is un-American, and it was because I hated Billy Joel in baseball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but that um, episode didn't get saved because, one, um, I didn't want Rob to get, you know, lynched. taken away. Yeah, lynched, basically. But the other thing, um, it just, we had some sound issues, and, you know, we were just getting started. So it was a test. Anyway, sorry, go on, number four. Now, there are some movies on my list, and that's where the first movie comes in, but I actually went away from the location where you guys did your movies because all of your your movies were all C movies. Mine actually came in a little bit and my first movie on my list is The Shining. Ah. Because it was set in a hotel and they were locked in due to a blizzard. Yes. Which is a storm. Nice. Which is it which is a storm, but the the blizzard the and they sh- they showed you a bunch of pictures of snow. But the blizzard did a really good – they did a really good job of using the blizzard as giving you that oppressive, trapped feeling. You were in this huge hotel that had hundreds of rooms, 
and you still felt trapped, and it was all because of the blizzard. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm the, really the hoping that they use that at the Halloween Horror Nights. Yes, house. and and also it ties in with Halloween Horror Nights because it's going to be one of the houses. Yes. So my next one is going to be another movie, and it is a classic with the late, great Bill Paxton. And I'm going to go with Twister. Interesting. I actually really liked Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt in this movie. It was really well done. Um, and it was all about chasing storms. They were cow. storm chasers. <laughs> cow! No, I think that's the same cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, and they were storm chasers. And it was all about deploying these um, sensors. Little orbs, yeah, sensor yeah, orbs. The, the, the sensors so that they can basically get the anatomy of a twister, of a tornado. Um, very well done. Very well acted. Uh, the action was great. It was a... I think it's no, they shut it down. It, it was a ride at Universal Forever, where they showed you yeah. like some of the special effects that they did for the movie, mm-hmm. um, and just just a great all around movie. And they, um, they did a really good job on that one of making the the sensors and the idea of how the sensors worked like believable. Because when I got done with that movie the first time, I was like, I wonder if they actually were able to figure out how to see what's inside a, a tornado. Yeah, Dorothy. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Interesting that they called it Dorothy and Dorothy too. Um, my number two, this one shouldn't surprise you, but it is a departure from from the movies. But um, it is a little bit of country music, and I'm going to go with Garth Brooks's Thunder Rolls. Oh, wow. And I'm sure you guys have heard that song at one point or another. As much as I, I tried remember, to avoid it. I remember the video being such a huge deal. Yes, yes. Huge premiere yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it and it's. I mean, I I'm a country fan. You guys know I'm a country fan, and I I still like the song. I mean, I, it it's still it's still one that I'll sing along with when it comes on the radio. It's I it's 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 just yeah. I I dig the country music. But for my number one, I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to return to the movies, <laughs> and it's actually going to be another Blizzard movie. Any guesses? Uh, um, Everest? Snowpiercer. Negative. I'm going to go with John Carpenter's The Thing. Hmm. Because Kurt Russell was absolutely fantastic in that movie. And that was right at the beginning of where Kurt Russell was starting to like become the movie darling. Um, I think it was before Overboard. And it was definitely a couple of years before Big Trouble in Little China. Um, Weird that you went with Overboard. I know, right? But that was after Escape from New York. True, true. Um, But uh, he he did an excellent job in the movie, and as as you as all of our listeners have probably figured out, we're all really big into the horror genre. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing is just just a really masterful work of suspense, and again with the whole feeling of being trapped. Because they can't go anywhere because of this gigantic blizzard outside. They're trapped. They can't evacuate. They can't do anything. And they're just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot so of that years is, had the, the storm. That is as, my top five. As a side. So a lot of years had the storm as like a side part of the plot that drove as a, the... it was a driving It was a driving force for the plot, but not the central focus of the plot. Yes. 
Interesting. Okay, so now we have to, of course, gather these together and figure out what the definitive five is. And it's going to actually be tough. I mean, I, I'm well aware that some of the, like the otter ones aren't going to make it. But I also think that... I almost think the Sharknado should make it. <laughs> okay, so... I just didn't think about it. <laughs> Despite actually talking about that movie at least once a day for most of my life, or for most of the past year or two or whatever. I I um, did think about it, but I didn't put it on my list. Um, however, I think that should go as a not high number five. Yeah. No, not not high. No, but like, Number five is per, like the perfect—it seems like Sharknado needs to be in, in at number five. All right. I'll, I'll give you that one because it was almost my number five. And it would have been had I thought about it. Mm. Number four. Well, we don't have to do these in order. We can just kind of grab. Um, White Squall was on two lists. Um, really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, and Perfect Storm was on two lists. I think mm-hmm. both of those. I think Perfect Storm should be higher. But if we're going out of order, then I think we can throw down Perfect Storm. Yeah. I will. I'm watching the typing up here on the screen. I... I really want a campaign for the for the top three on my list. Um, I don't know if there's a. <laughs> I don't I don't know if there's any major objections to any of the ones there. I mean, I know you guys aren't big fans of country. Um, however, Thunder Rolls is, yeah. I'm gonna fairly, say for, for how big that was when it came out. It's fairly iconic. Twister, I can um, get behind. Because Greg hates country. So we we understand. Well, I don't, I don't you... no. I don't know the song, and the reference to it. Like this is the definitive list of like. Okay. So like, is that about a thunder a thunderstorm or is that about like? It's not. It's about. So much. It's it's about. I mean, there's a there is a storm involved. He's coming home during a storm, and that's where the the thunder is rolling. But then the thunder rolling turns into his his wife has caught him cheating. And then the thunder becomes her emotional reaction to discovering that he's been cheating. Um, so it's kind of a combination of an actual thunderstorm, an actual storm. Basically, it's the the setting actually kind of kind of mirrors what's going on inside his wife when gotcha. she finds out he's been cheating. Gotcha. And I just listened to it. And I've never heard that song in my life. Oh. Mm, I can't get behind it for the definitive five. You guys are un-American. <laughs> Sorry. I can get behind The Shining or The Thing. Actually, I, I lean a little bit more towards The Shining. I thought you might. I thought because, you uh, because of your description more. Because when I think of The Thing, I, it's not so much the storm that's a problem. It's the fact that they're in Antarctic, Antarctica and that's just the weather there. <laughs> but right. The Shining, there is actually a storm. Um, and 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 I do th- I do think that in The Shining, the storm played a much more pivotal role actually in the movie without actually being the focus of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that one. Um, I also for personally, I think I can get behind the Poseidon Adventure as well because I think that was one of the first ever giant storm st- movies, and it did lead to a huge uptick in disaster movies, you know, b- based on the weather and based on you know, earthquake and all these other things. So that's, that's another one I can kind of get behind as well. Jimmy gone. 
I don't think he's watching you type that. I'm not typing. I typed it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So hold on. I can get behind The Shining. I I can also get behind Poseidon's Adventure because I I I posed it. Um. The most fun thing for the Poseidon Adventure for me was that. You know, they they were doing all this climbing and all this kind of crazy stuff inside of this cruise ship. Um, though I would have to say that The Shining versus The Poseidon Adventure, they both were not focused on the storm. Mm-hmm. I I would have to say that The, the, the Shining shi- more so. The Shining more so focused on the storm than The Poseidon Adventure. I, I, I would say that The Poseidon Adventure had the same issue as what The Thing did, where – the the issue was more them getting out of the ship um like with the thing the issue was them dealing with the thing um and basically the storm was just the thing that capsized the ship yeah but you i guys would, were wondering I would have... why we were we were laughing earlier uh jimmy wrote the sharding instead of the shining by the way <laughs> no i didn't i'm probably not gonna have any chance to to edit this so <laughs> too much so the, the sharding is definitely not one of the top five um, the Shining definitely, from what I remember, uh, the blizzard did dampen the effect anal probes. of the Shining. He was drafted for anal so probes. So I would definitely stand behind that. That's what aliens do. And as far as as far as my votes, I would have to say that um, I would want to include uh, Twister at number two, but number one I would have to say would be Perfect Storm because yeah. I actually thought of that one um, when I was making my list as well. Awesome. I can stand behind both of those. Yeah. See if this order, yeah, we, we're missing something here. Let's see. No, that's five. Yeah, but Perfect Storm is oh. in the Oh, we put Perfect Storm in there already. Well, Perfect Storm 1, Twister yes. 2. Correct. I think because it's not, I would do, I'm not, what was 3? Uh, 3 would be Poseidon Adventure. Well, but see, I have a problem including the Poseidon Adventure for the same reason that you guys had a problem including the thing. Gotcha. You guys have not. I could. You guys have not seen Finest Hours, but it's very good. Yeah. Man, I really want to include Thunder Rolls in there. But I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. <sighs> Screw you guys. You Sorry. Suck. Says the guy that's tied to a bicycle rack naked. <laughs> yes. Do you, are, so, you, are you willing to... Well, Castaway as well. That's Yeah. Oh, wait, White Squall. White Squall was the other one that got deleted. That's what it was. Oh, all right. I can give you White Squall. White Squall was so good. I typed it and we deleted it, yeah. And, uh, Rob, you like the tale of um, young bucks uh, alone on a sailboat. sailboat, Oh, um, I do. Who does that? With only themselves to keep (laughs) each other company doing manual labor. So it's right up your alley, even if you haven't seen it. And keeping each other warm, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So I know that's your thing. So... Obviously, you're gonna want that in there. So, okay, ready? I guess we should break. break Just this like up. your yeah. thing is tying me up naked outside, <laughs> and <laughs> and not throwing a football through a movie screen. Um, yes. Number one, Perfect Storm. Number two, yep. Twister. Yep. Number three, White Squall. Number four, The Shining. And number five, the best of Everybody's all flying shark movies. Favorite. Sharknado. <laughs> that is the Game Me Five definitive five. And, of course, you guys will probably have your own opinions, and you can, of course, yell at us on our Facebook page and tell us why we are wrong, and specifically why Rob is wrong. (laughs) 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle first game sucks. <laughs> okay. Riders on the storm. <laughs> ah, there's another one. Take okay. a long holiday. <laughs> Let your children play like a dog without a bone. Sorry. <laughs> okay, that is our episode seven. Guys, anything you'd like to say? Considering it might be your last words. <laughs> hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Whatever. Just let us know what you think. If you agree with our top five, let us know. If you don't and think we should have included something else, let us know what it is. And if you have any questions for us that you want us to answer, hit us up and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And, of course, do not. If or if you want to help us out, feel free to jump on to whatever podcast provider you guys use and give us a, a rating and a review that really does help out and it There's keeps greg from begging on the, on the road okay guys stay safe stay safe out there stay safe please. guys please stay safe take a long holiday Anal probes. He was drafted for anal probes.